Hey, this is Allison. Welcome to the Because I Can Live podcast, where today's expert, Sarah Petty, is coming in to talk about something that I think a lot of people struggle with, and including me. I think it's something that everybody deals with on a daily, hourly, even a minute basis. And that has to do with time management. Now, here is where Sarah, I want to give you some of her street creds (laughs) so that you know that she's legit. So Sarah has been featured in Entrepreneur, Fox Business, USA Today, The Wall Street Journal. She has taken a photography business and grown it into a multi-million dollar business. And now she teaches other photographers how to do the same thing. But the way she's been able to do this is through time management. She has three kids. uh, And when she started this, they were preemies. She had twins. They were preemies. And so she had to learn very quickly how to manage her time so that she could have the income coming in to help support her family. All right. So today is so fun. I'm excited for you to listen in, but you have to wait to the end because she just wait. (laughs) She is giving us a gift, all the listeners, a gift on her book, called Worth Every Penny. So listen to the end on how you can get that book as well for free. You just have to help out with shipping and it's at the end of the podcast. So let's dive in to find out what she means when she's talking about the wolf pack, the yellow paper. It's going to be a good one. Let's get started. Hey, you are listening to the Because I Can Life podcast, where we believe we can decide our own income, choose happiness, kick bear in the teeth, and never, ever stop. Why? Because we can. I'm your host, Allison J. Prince, and I went from being a junior high science teacher to building four online multi-million dollar businesses with four kids at my feet. Each week, I'm bringing you real conversations that have led me, as well as other experts, to step into our dream online business lifestyle so that you can get the answers you need to craft your Because I Can Life as well. Take that first step and commit now to your Because I Can Life by downloading your free personal bundle at allisonjprince.com forward slash bundle. All right, Sarah Penny, I'm so excited you are here. Thank you for coming and recording thanks. on a Saturday. Yeah, thanks. thanks for having me. Yeah, you've got such good information that I cannot wait for the members and everyone else of Because I Can Life family to hear. So Sarah, back us up and tell us a little bit more about you, a little bit about your journey. Yeah, well, I started my career at Coca-Cola. I went on to become a marketing director at an advertising agency, and then I got pregnant with twins, these two. And I decided I didn't want to be in that corporate churn anymore. I didn't want to work day and night for someone else. I wanted to be a mom and put my family first. And so here I was, I had newborn twins. They were preemies born early. And I got possession of a little photography studio. I'd been doing it just as a hobby. And I had a grand opening and it was two weeks before 9-11 in 2001. Well, a little bit of a, a different course that's about to happen, right? Exactly. Exactly. So when people are all kind of freaked out with the COVID and the pandemic, I sort of feel like I don't know any different because I just started out in sort of a crazy world and I got through 2008, 2009. And, and I I just feel strongly that we can survive anything if we do a really good job of taking care of our business and building it the right way. 
Okay, so let's back it up. There's another topic that I want to talk about, but let's dig into that a little bit more. Okay, so you're setting everything up, you quit your job, and then chaos happens. What did you do? What were the skills that you learned to be able to handle the uncertainty and the chaos? Well, it's interesting because we didn't know we had a lot of uncertainty about the future because remember when everything happened, we didn't really know what was happening. We didn't know it was a virus like we know now. We know what it is. We see that there's an end in sight and we didn't really know. But also, I quickly had a third baby. And if our TV was on, it was on the wiggles. (laughs) There was no, you know, we didn't have text. We didn't have social media the way we have it. We didn't, we barely used the internet. I know that seems crazy, but I think I was just looking forward at my business and what do I need to do? And I was a broken mess. I had all these skills. I was a marketing director and yet, you know, I had business degrees, but when you go to start your own business, it's just different, right? Like you're pricing and you're selling and all of a sudden it's so personal. And so I really felt like a fraud. I had to deal with some of those imposter syndrome feelings that I think a lot of us have. But I also realized like I left a good job with benefits and a salary and vacation And I'm making no money. I have a broken, hot mess business and I'm making no money. And so I realized really quickly, I'm not going to sit in this place of suffering and pain. I've got to go figure it out. So that's what I decided to do. It wasn't like I just was like, oh, I'm magically going to fix it. I had to do the work. And I always feel like somebody else is doing it. If they're doing it, I can figure out how to do it. Okay. So I love what you said about we didn't have Instagram back then. Was it even Netflix around? I don't even know. Oh gosh, we went to Blockbuster. <laughs> That's where <laughs> we went to get big VCR movies. We went to Blockbuster. Yeah. So, do you feel like that was a benefit back then? You couldn't get sucked in. You couldn't get have all the emotions that are showing on social media now. I do think in some ways I didn't know better. I just knew that I had to replace an income that I left or I had to go get another job. And we lived within our means, we were pretty frugal, but come on, when you go from two incomes to one, it changes everything and you add two babies and then another two years later, it adds a lot of stress and pressure. And I always, I didn't want that to break up my marriage and create strife and stress. So I knew if I couldn't figure it out, I I needed to go get a job, I needed to provide money, but my babies were preemies and I thought, oh, the thought of putting them in a daycare with sick kids, you know, and germs and, and then they're little preemies. So part of it was maybe that, you know, mama instinct of like, I got to figure this out because they're little bitty things. Okay. So I'm sure right now you tell a lot of your students, get off your dang phone. Yes. And literally I have them occasionally I'll say, all right, pick up your phone on the iPhone. You go to settings and then screen time, I think. And, uh, it'll tell you. And I'm, I tell people like, tell me how much time are you spending? People are like nine hours, four hours, five hours. And it's like, you're telling me you're overwhelmed and you don't have enough time in your day to get stuff done. I just gave you five hours, eight hours, nine hours. And I get it. Like we're doing some work. We maybe are checking orders or we're, we're communicating with direct messages from clients and customers. Like, but that's not taking nine hours a day. And you can see what, where you're at on your phone. Are you spending it on social? Are you spending it on Shopify or whatever it is, wherever you're taking orders from? And so you can say, okay, maybe the order thing totally justified. I'm going to subtract that out of there, but Instagram, do I really need to be on Instagram that long? Do I really need to be reading the news for this long each day? 
Exactly. I have a funny story. I went to a Weight Watchers meeting. A friend and I were like, we had an event coming up. We're like, we're going to go lose some weight. And I remember this lady in the class was asking the leader, she was, you know, telling you how to measure your food. And she was talking about veggies. And the gal just kept saying, but how many veggies? What if I eat more veggies? And the lady looked at her and said, honey, you're not here because you're eating too many veggies, right? (laughs) So it's sort of like you're doing other things. So if you're telling yourself, oh, I'm just on my phone because I have to eat veggies, you know, like if I just eat more veggies, I'm on social media a little more. No, that's the pizza, (laughs) right? Like those kitty videos, you're eating pizza. So don't tell yourself like I need to be on my phone because it's eating more veggies. No, get off the phone, put the pizza and the popcorn away, go on there. And if you're spending a little time checking your numbers, that's fine. But that's not what you're doing. You're eating pizza. So don't you find it interesting that it's called the feed, the social media feed? It is. Right? It is shoving our brain or our souls with pizza nonstop. Yeah. And it's sugar. We need to take away. Oh, it's sugar. It's an addiction. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, when you don't have your phone, don't you, like you physically have an issue. Like, where is my phone? Oh, it's in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking on it. (laughs) Yes. Oh, have you done that? Where you're like, I can't find my phone as you're like FaceTiming somebody like, oh, (laughs) because it's here in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. I've done it many times. And I, it's so hard to admit. You're talking to a person, you're like, I'm just looking for my phone. Okay. (laughs) And my husband's really good about not being addicted. And then I get mad at him. Like I texted you (laughs) seven minutes ago. You didn't reply. But then it's like when we're together and we're with family, he doesn't have it in front of his face. And I, I remind myself, that's a good thing, Sarah. That's a good thing. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Okay. So now you found, you've just helped the readers find five to seven hours in a day, right? Maybe it's not that long. Listeners, you have to admit to how much time you're actually on your phone. So now what I want to do is talk about what you call the wolf pack. Yeah. So they found time. So let's talk about the wolf pack. Yeah. One of my first jobs, I needed sales experience because everyone tells you you need to have sales experience. I went to work for a local newspaper and the manager said, we're like a wolf pack. We don't leave each other because wolves stay together, right? That's how they stay safe. And he said, we're a team here. We're building, you know, you're, you're selling advertising. You're out there, you're prospecting, you're doing all these things. And he said, if you leave your day at the end of the day, and then tomorrow you're sick or something happens, like we've got to scurry and figure out what, what ads are due and who you're following up on and who you're supposed to call. So every day before we left, we had to leave on our desk what are we doing tomorrow? And that really stuck with me because when you go in your business, then there is no wolf pack. We are alone. So we have to kind of be our own wolf pack. And I started habits at that like second job that I ever had of making sure that I knew what was happening in my day tomorrow. Because if we don't do that, we wake up and we're like three hours are gone. We've been on social media, you know, pretending we're eating veggies and really we're eating pizza, wondering why we're gaining weight. Why am I overwhelmed? I don't get it. And instead of having our list and not have my list right here, literally, I live by this because I come in and I go, okay, I know exactly what I need to do. So if I fell off the face of the earth, I got sick, people would know. I could say, go to my list and here's what you need to do. But it, for the most part, it's still there is no pack for most of us. We have to be responsible for ourselves, but it helps with productivity so 
much. If we don't know what we're doing tomorrow when we hit the ground, we start being reactive and we just follow little squirrel trails. And especially now in this pandemic, when our kids are home, we have little kids, we have high schoolers fighting with each other. They can't go be with their friends and and tensions are high and we're sharing computers. When we get a little quiet time with our brain, we have to know exactly what we need to do to be productive or we're going to waste that time. I love, love that. I remember when I was a school teacher, if I didn't have my lesson plans set for the next day, that next day felt so chaotic and I couldn't handle, I couldn't process what the students were saying or complaining or whatever they were doing at the moment. But I noticed that when I had my lesson plans done the day before the rest or the next day ran so much, so much smoother. And it seems so simple, but if I don't do it, like I'll have a day that runs awry and I'm frazzled and I leave my office a mess and I come in the next day and I'm just in not even the right frame of mind because I don't know what I'm doing. And I know people talk about chunking your time out, but if you don't mind, can I share what I do? This is just a system I created for myself. Please share. Okay. Cause I feel like I love hearing other people's systems and I, if I can adapt one little thing, but being in a creative business, we teach photographers how to make money. I run a photography studio. So one minute I may be having to shoot and be creative. The next minute I might have to be writing or thinking or using that different side of my brain. And it's hard to go back and forth. A sales call to being creative, a sales call to writing, you know, handling a problem to creating something new. It's hard for me as a creative to bounce around. So here's my, here is my list. And I kind of drew it out for you guys. I divided into fourths. I put people I need to call and this could be move the kid's dental appointment. It could be return a client who wants to change their order because when you're in calling mode, bang, bang, bang doesn't matter if it's a personal task or a work task. Like I want to get all those calls made at once. I usually do those at the end of the day. I have my do list. So maybe I need to write new copy for my website. Maybe I need to update a product that I'm offering. Maybe I need to do something with my database. Like it's time. Like it's that thinking time. Go. If I need to run errands, right? Like where do I need to go? I need to get some videotapes put on DVD or CD. I need to pick up contact lenses. Like it doesn't matter personal business. Like you can't just go in the middle, you know, go do and make a call and do this. And then this is my favorite. Took me years to figure this one out. Back burner. We want, we fill our list with so many things that it gives us paralysis by analysis. Mm -hmm. So I, every day I about rewrite my list every other day and I go through it and I say, does this have to be done today or this week? It might be like, do new photos of my team for the website, right? It's not something I need to do instantly, but I know I don't want to forget to do it because maybe they're outdated or whatever it is. But if I have all these things on my list that I can't possibly get to, it creates that anxiety and that overwhelm. So I put it on my back burner list. So then if I'm working for my other things and it's late in the day and it's like, oh my gosh, it's three o'clock. I got everything done. Take a gander at back burner and like, oh, I can crank this little one out and go home early. So, so take four things are... People I need to call, to-do list, go list, and back burner. Yeah. Okay, so clarify the do list and the go list. Yeah, so go is where I need to go somewhere. Ah, like your errands. Yes, errands. Okay. Yep, so they're one word, call, do, go. 
Yeah. So Aaron, so do could be anything, creating a new product, rewriting copy on the website, planning, things like that, because those are the productive things. The do things are usually the things that make us money versus the busy work. Like I put the busy work at the end of Friday, I pay bills, I write my notes. I usually have an extra column that says notes because we teach our students and and my kids even, we call them notes of joy. My company is my joy here is joy of marketing. And we call them notes of joy. People, like we live in such a digital age. I just think the habit of writing notes, every single person should have a stack of note cards on their desk and Fridays, I'll pay bills. I'll have my list of people. I don't stop in the middle of the day to write the note. I wait till Friday when I'm in that place and I write notes. Like who can you thank? Your community, they have online businesses. They might not be doing as much local, but it doesn't matter. You send a thank you note to the dentist, to the orthodontist, to the person you ran into in the grocery store, the customer out of state who purchased something or had a little snafu. You write a personal handwritten note later, you know, to just check in on them or whatever. And that goodwill and that gratitude can change everything. So that is a little bonus to put on your list. I love that. I love that. And what do you call it? We call it notes of joy. Notes of joy. Yep. And everybody talks about them. I wrote five notes of joy today. I wrote 10 notes of joy today. And it's amazing. And uh, I have my children do that. And I can tell story after story of how it's come back to them and their teenagers. Uh, my daughter got her wisdom teeth taken out a couple of days ago and came out in recovery and all touched up. And she asked for a piece of paper, wrote the surgeon a note. And um, the nurse came out and told my husband, because he picked her up, like, what an impressive young lady, right? Like, who does that? What 19-year-old writes them a note? And it's more obvious with teenagers because nobody really does that, right? They text, thanks for the gift. (laughs) And I've really tried to teach my children that people want that. They want to be seen and acknowledged. And I think as entrepreneurs, it's a good habit for us to get into, to just Pen and paper. It means so much. I save all of those. I would say when I die, just bury me with all those notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, note, note. Um, make sure I'll tell your husband that, that he knows that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You're going to be calling him like, hey, we're all really old and I think I remember, but Sarah wants to be buried. Those notes? <laughs> no, they're all in boxes labeled, so they'll, he'll find them. <laughs> I, okay, I think gratitude is becoming a lost art. Being grateful, even telling people, your doctor, your doctor went to school for so long and has dealt with so much, so much stuff. And for someone to stop and just say, Hey, thank you. I bet that's just completely throws them off. They will take so much better care of you. I do think gratitude is dying. So I love that you encourage the notes of joy. You know what I believe, and I I wish I could credit who I heard this from 20 years ago, but you know what the Peter principle is? Like it's a principle that in an organization, you get to the position of your highest ability of competency. So you keep getting promoted basically till you're incompetent. So the whole concept is like the whole company is full of incompetent people, (laughs) but like that there's a max limit of this is your potential, Allison. And if in this company, this is all the higher you can get. And I think in business, that ceiling is created by your gratitude. Agreed. And it's more than that. Even like look at pro athletes who are really wealthy and they're arrogant. Nobody wants to sponsor them. Nobody wants to be with them. Nobody wants to lift them up. And then you've got the pro athlete who is a giver, who is thankful, who is grateful. Everybody wants to help that person. 
And I think as entrepreneurs that your sky is the limit. If you have gratitude and you practice it and you teach it to your kids, there is no ceiling for you. Yeah. I know because of my gratitude, more doors have been opened for me in the business world than ever because I let that person know how grateful I am that they thought of me of all the other people. So I'm right. I right there with you. Okay. So I have to ask a question. Let's go back on you writing the notes, the wolf pack, and then dividing it into the four blocks. Okay. It all sounds great. It all sounds lovely, but how do you create that as a habit? So what are the things you do? Do you leave it out so you can see it? How would someone actually implement that? I mean, cause we all hear stuff, right? Now yeah. give us the tips on implementation, how you don't leave your desk without doing that. Yeah, literally I, it's a pad, a yellow pad of paper and I have a, like a little zippered, everything is orange here, a zipper. Look, you can see it. This has been a crazy week. This is all my stuff I have to clean out. I take this in my laptop bag with my laptop and on the top of it is this, like it is my everything. And I think sometimes people are looking for a fancy CRM or a, you know, software to do this or that. And it's literally like a piece of paper to get you organized. And I think the other key part about making sure you're getting these things done, and I know it's changed with COVID because it really surprised me with coaching my students. They're saying like, we have one laptop in our family and I can't get my work done. And and so we have to be more focused on making sure we have that dedicated work time, right? And so with dedicated work time, okay, what's on my to-do list, my do, not to do, right? It's my do list. I need to like podcast. I need to write and produce podcasts. I know that has to happen. And I can't do that with kids around and with chaos. So I know, okay, whatever, Thursday from two to four, I block it on my calendar. I always ask people like, how do you make it to a session? Well, it's on my calendar. Then why are you not putting time to get the things done for your business on your calendar? And when I block that time, like podcast time, I don't start by going on Facebook or paying bills or doing the busy work stuff. I clean my desk. I have my, what I need to do right there. And I just, I have to focus on one thing at a time. And I think too, when people are working from home, because I think a lot of your listeners might be right. They're working from there, popping open their laptop. And uh, I had a cabinet built like a, an armoire kind of cabinet. And that was my office. Like the printer was in there, everything. So when I left at the end of the day, I would do this list. I would tidy up. I would shut that cabinet just like an office door. And then I was mom again. And so trying to create that separation because I worked from home for a while and I didn't have a studio to go to. Now they follow me to the studio. (laughs) (laughs) I would follow you to your studio too, just so you know. It's amazing. It is kind of fun here. Yes. And how many times are we off our computer and then we go into mom duty and then we feel compelled. Oh, I didn't get that done. I need to come back. I need to come back. So the visualization of I'm tidying everything up. I'm closing the door. Just like when after dinner, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you tell your kids kitchen's closed. The kitchen is closed. You get everything cleaned up and you know what happens as soon as you get things cleaned up, the kids come back in and want a snack. And so you have to tell your kids kitchen is closed. So being able to close your business you have to do that same thing. And I love the analogy of closing those cupboards or closing those doors so that you can turn it off and go into mom mode. 
Yeah. Remember Les Nessman? Did you ever watch WKRP? (laughs) I caught the end of it. I'm a little older than you, but he was in this busy radio station and he had like little pretend doors on the, you know, like he's like, open the door. You just walked in, open the door. You know, you tell people like open the door and come in. And if that's the ritual you need to do in the corner of your living room, in the corner of your bedroom, hopefully I have a friend who set up her office in her bedroom and I, and I, and I was like, is there anywhere else you can move it? Because it's like, why I don't want my kids to have a TV in their bedroom, even though now they have a phone, you want to train your body. When you go in there, you go to sleep. Right. And like when you close that invisible door, you're now telling yourself and your family, like I'm family mode now I need, because it's hard for us entrepreneurs. We think about everything all the time. And then people are like, mom, 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 you know, I was balancing my books in my head. What? (laughs) So I've had to do little tricks with myself there. Like Sarah, you, you know, Nine o'clock tonight, you're going to give yourself an hour to come and finish writing what you needed for now. Let it go. Shut the little door and it's invisible. Shut the door and go be with your family. Oh, that's such good advice. Such good advice. Okay. So let's talk about that dedicated time. I call it power hours, but whatever people call it, talk about how you structure your dedicated time. And so the kids aren't saying mom, 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 mom. And then eventually saying, Sarah Petty, right? How many times have my kids had to, mom, 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 Allison Prince. And then finally I'm like, what? <laughs> that must be why my kids call me Sarah. <laughs> and I'll answer. Yes. Yeah. We learned how to block out the word mom. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, literally this is how this list that I keep when I come in, I know because yesterday I said, okay, tomorrow you are setting this time aside to get the podcast done. It's, we've all heard the rock analogy, right? You put the big rocks in first. If you, it's so easy to put those little things in. We always give kind of an analogy about a tire. You've got the hub of the tire and then you've got the spokes and then you've got the rim. The rim is those little flex activities, maybe hopping on social media, making a little Instagram post or whatever. But if you start with those rim activities, your wheel's never going to become a wheel because you've got to have the main things that you're getting done, done. And so for me, I just, I literally have to clean my space so that there's nothing in my sight. Some people can work in clutter in a mess. And I think, especially as creatives, and I put entrepreneurs into sort of that creative category, even if you're an entrepreneur of, you know, a financial product or whatever, because we have all these ideas and these things. And when you have a cluttered space, it's hard to have focus in your brain. So for me, I have to clear everything off. I lay out that one thing and I just get it done. I worked with a gal when I was at the ad agency and we would just take in so much work. And then you get to that overwhelm of like, how are we going to get this done? I remember one day having that conversation and, and Barb, she just looked at us and she said, everybody, take one thing and go get it done. Just everybody take one thing, pick the one thing and go get it done. And I always hear her voice. Literally that was 25 years ago. And I just say, Sarah, pick one thing and go get it done. Because I think too, as creatives and as entrepreneurs, we have all these ideas and we want to go from this to this, to this, to this. And I have to just hear Barb say, Sarah, go get that one thing done. Then you can move to the next thing. Agreed. Because we are so squirreled. And we're like, oh, maybe I need to check Instagram. Oh, I, let me do an Instagram post. Oh, is it hooked to Facebook? Oh, do I need to start a YouTube channel? 
Wow. No, it's <laughs> just yeah. one thing. One it's thing. like sugar too at three o'clock in the afternoon where it's like, I've been working hard all day. I've been using my brain. I need sugar. I need to look at my phone. You know, I need to go to those breaks from what we're doing all day. And so learning to watch for that, I think helps too. Like yeah. I'm not really hungry. I'm just looking for sugar. Yeah, I don't yep. need to be on my phone. Put it away. Yeah. Sometimes I'll have Jared take it for me. I'm like, listen, this is a temptation. I know I've got to get something done. I've got to write a podcast episode or I've got to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And I'm like, can you hide my phone for me? Yeah. And he will. And then I come back and my like, where's my phone? He's like, it's hidden for another hour. <laughs> oh, you're so good. Why did you have to do that? Why do you have to be so good? <laughs> yeah, really? I like that. I'm going to use that. Yeah. I haven't done that. Have my husband been? might hide it though. And we might lose it. I don't know. He's a good hider. I do that. I hide things and I forget. <laughs> Have your kid do it. They'll never forget, right? Yeah. They'll hold it against me though. They'll negotiate with it. You gotta be careful with teenagers. They're smart. <laughs> okay. Now let's move the conversation to teenagers because you have taught your kids to become entrepreneurs or have seen the entrepreneur side in them and then yeah. let them explore that. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Well, Gosh, I've never been the parent who says, oh, I'm going to build a business so my kids can run it someday. I want them to find what they're passionate about. But they've grown up, the kids of entrepreneurs, and they did the math. Um, we have a little a little gym court in our building. My husband is an architect, and he has half the building, and I have half the building. And in the middle, we put a little court so that our kids could be here with teenagers. And I said, girls, you should have volleyball lessons because you can't buy gym space. And they charged $15 per hour. They were doing groups of eight to 10. And over a couple of weeks, over Christmas break, Grace was able to save enough, this one's Grace, to buy a $1,000 iPhone. She was like, whoa, like this is money. And her friends are working their, their rears off, driving across town, wearing little aprons, serving fast food. And they're making these small little checks. And they're having to schedule it where they have to miss fun friend things. And my kids are scheduling them whenever they want. And so they really realized this is actually kind of cool. This is actually cool that I can work when I want and do what I want and still make money. And then my son, his aunt, my sister-in-law has a nonprofit. And she said, I need a photo booth. There isn't one in town. John, would you grab some of your mom's equipment and come set up and do a photo booth? So he did, he went in my closet, he's real techie, got all the stuff, set it up and did this photo booth. And somebody said, would you do our daughter senior, you know, um, grad party? So his group of three friends and he was like, sure. So I had to drive in there. He's 15. He took all my stuff and went there and they're flirting with him. Like where, you know, what year are you? He's like, I'm a freshman. And, and, uh, they said, where do you go to college? Because <laughs> he's six, four. He's like, I'm in high school. They're like, oh. <laughs> it was really cute. But he started realizing, wow. So he built a box. He named, he goes by Jack. So he named his company, Jack in the box, built a big box of just all my old used equipment. And he was booking like averaging $1,200 a gig with all the different add-ons and the things they were wanting at 16 and 17 years old, it was really, really fun for him. And now my other daughter is, uh, started a photography business. She's photographing her friends and their boyfriends and, uh, making way more money than if she were going to a minimum wage job and she's just learning, but she's loving it. And so there, see, I think entrepreneurial kids are different. They see us, they see that we can put family first which is why we do this, right? We do deal with more, 
But I think that's what's cool about being the child of an entrepreneur is they are different. They just, they are. They see things. Oh, okay. Mom isn't just playing on her phone or just on the computer. I don't know, doing some game. No, we're actually making money. We're providing for the family. We are inspiring people. We are getting our products out to the world. Yeah. And I hear that so much from my students and you probably hear it in your community too, of like, I want to show my kids that they can do anything, right? I don't want to tell them you should go be a nurse because you'll always have a job. So many people are told that and being a nurse is great if you want to be a nurse, but if you want to dream bigger and you want to create something and go sell it online and, and build this great business, like they want to show their kids. So I think that's something that is a gift that we're giving our kids, even if they see us struggle, right? They, they should see us struggle because I we agree. all are going to have struggles, right? I agree. My greatest moment with my kids, my biggest bonding, well, I'll say one of my biggest bonding because there's many, right? But when I was in tears because I was so scared, I was so scared to do the thing in the business world. And that was me standing on a stage and I said, I need your help. I need you to hold my fear. And the way they cheered me on, the way they saw me, it was so amazing to see them. And then now I'm watching them go through that struggle or other struggles. And I'm like, Hey, how can I help you? And they're opening up more because they're like, mom, if you can struggle, then that means that I can struggle and that's okay. And so I just think it has built such a stronger relationship for us. Yeah. My dad was an entrepreneur and I, I just feel so grateful for that. I watched his business get broken into and he slept in the lobby to make, to protect his business slept all night. Well, I think he stayed awake at from two to like 7am till the police, you know, until the people could come and board it up. And I watched him get stolen from and be sick, sick because he had an employee for 20 years. who like held him hostage and made him believe that if he left, he always held it over his head that he would fail. And finally that employee left and it was the best day of my dad's business. And so they just, they're learning, whether you know it or not, they're learning and they're going to be better humans to watch everything you're going through and the systems you're learning. And the fact that you're investing in education, when I met you and when I met all the people that we study with, the first thing they ask is like, have you been to this person? Have you studied in this course? Have you done this? And I want my kids to be lifelong learners and to always find out, okay, who's next? Who can help me grow as a person? I want them to live a big life and take risks and fail and know that it is okay to fail. It's good. We all fail. Did you see the Sarah Blakely post about Father's Day? I did not. On Instagram. So she had a post on Instagram where every day she would come home and her dad would say, where did you fail today? Where did you fail today? I've heard that. To ask your kids that it was, it's always, Hey, what went well in your day today? Instead of what did you try and didn't do, didn't go so well. That gives me chills. Switching the conversation. Failure is really good. It's helping you learn who you are, what you want to do, your passions. Yeah, no, it is good. And, and, uh, one of our core values is that failure is learning. And my daughter went to put gas in her car the first time when she was 16 by herself and she's running late, came back from a doctor's appointment or something. And, and she was putting gas in the car and I don't know what she did, but I think she took the pump and just went head to toe on her body 
because some creepy guy was looking at her, which probably (laughs) was, and it was 10 a.m., and she came home and I happened to be at home that morning and she was freaking out. She's like, mom, you're going to be so mad at me and all this. And I said, dude, you got gas on your body. Will you ever do that again? Like now, you know what happens if you don't let go of the pump before you pull it out of the car. <laughs> and we had to soak her clothes in vinegar. Like we scrubbed her body. She stunk for a week, but she's never going to have that happen again. No, she won't. Right. So we can't go around as parents telling our kids, like, you can't think of all the ways that they can fail. Who would have ever thought of that? Like we say, don't drive away with it in there. Cause I've done that. That Yeah. Oh, I did that once. I drove away with the gas and the whole thing came off. Evidently they thought of it. (laughs) Oh man. And I was embarrassed and it screeched and like the whole place looked at me, but it didn't explode and I didn't die. So a really good lesson. And it was a really good lesson for her. And uh, my other daughter just backed into a brand new car of a, someone got for their college graduation. And uh, you know what? I said, this is not a, a human. You did not, no one died. You didn't hit a human. This is a lesson. Like you've got to be careful. This was a car. This was a thing. It can be fixed. Yeah. Yeah pay attention, right? This is a, the universe telling you to pay attention. So I don't have parenting figured out. It's sort of like business, isn't it? One day you do something good. You're like, I'm so good at this. And then 10 minutes later, you're like, how did they give me these babies at the hospital? Why would they do that? I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm the worst parent ever. And I think that's such a, it is such a roller coaster ride. Okay. And and business too. Absolutely. So you just launched a podcast. Yes. What is the name of it? It is. Look here. It's on my coffee cup in my shirt. Worth every penny joy cast. So we wrote a book called, is that backwards? Nope. (laughs) Um, We wrote a book called Worth Every Penny, How to Build a Business that Thrills Your Customers and Still Charge What You're Worth. I mean, as photographers, we compete with free because everyone has a camera. And so in the podcast, we talk a lot about those things that, that, that head trash, right? That, that holds us down that fear of failure and all the things that keep us from going for our dreams. Cause I want, I want photographers, I want everybody to go for their dream and it's, it's not all about price. It's just not. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So they can find you on the podcast. Where else can they find you? I'm on Instagram at Sarah.petty, which is kind of fun. You can see what, what happens in our world bunch of photographers. If you, um, I actually also have a book. If they want to pick up shipping on this book, it's hardback business book. Oh, Um, to them. Yeah. You find it. Okay. Joyofmarketing.com joyofmarketing.com and then a forward slash free book joyofmarketing.com forward slash free book. That's super generous. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Everybody go get that book. Go get that book. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on today's podcast. That was so fun. That was really fun. Thanks for having me. I feel like I need to go buy a yellow notebook. That's all you need. They, they have like a 10 <laughs> pack at Amazon. It just ship right to you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Allison. All right. So here are the top 10 takeaways from Sarah Petty. Number one, be real. Get in your phone. See how much you are actually on your phone and then learn to turn it off. Number two, take that time that you just newly discovered and turn that into productive hours. Number three, become your own wolf pack. At the end of the day, 
write down the direction that you're headed for the next day. Number four, setting up your schedule the night before will help you to follow and become reactive to chasing those squirrel trails the next day. Number five, she blocks her day out into four categories. It is call, do, go, and back burner. Those are the four blocks. Number six, the do is the thing that makes you the money. Number seven, notes of joy. Write them every Friday. Number eight, dedicate your time to the do list, not the to-do list. Number nine, put the big rocks in first. And then number 10, pick the one thing and get it done. All right. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. Go get Sarah Petty's book. I'm excited to read it. And I will see you next week on Because I Can Live Podcast. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Because I Can podcast. Do you have a question that you'd like me to answer raw and uncut on the podcast? All you need to do is head over to Apple Podcast and do three simple things. Number one, leave a rating and review and tell me what you think of the podcast. Number two, in that review, ask anything you want related to your lifestyle business. And number three, if you want a shout out, make sure to leave your Instagram handle or your name. That's all. Then just listen to hear your question answered live, raw, and uncut. Don't forget to join us next time on the Because I Can podcast. We'll see you then.